This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com. If you want to pull your notes out for today's message, I'd invite you to do that at this time. I want to share a message with you today about living with confidence in uncertain times. Um, and I know from things that you have told me as different individuals within the church that there are many of you in our church family that are dealing with difficult uh, circumstances and you're in an uncertain season in your life right now. And, it, and so it is really my prayer that God will use what I have to share with you today to really um, give you some direction and some comfort and how to handle that. But the truth of the matter is, and I've lived long enough to know that this is true, that you're either, you're in one of three conditions right now. You're either in a trial right now, or you're coming out of a trial right now, or you're fixing to go into a trial right now. Those are the three basic conditions of life. And, and uh, so even if you're not going through a particularly hard time personally uh, today, you will at some point in your life. And so I'm so glad that the Word of God speaks to us about the, and is honest with us about the seasons of life and talks with us about how to handle those seasons as well. Internationally, we live in some of the most unsettling times that I can certainly remember. Now, I wasn't alive during World War II. Both our fathers were in World War II and were both wounded in World War II, Carrie's dad more severely than my father. But both of them have gone to heaven now, and we're just so grateful for the heritage that they left for us. Both of our mothers are also in heaven, so they're all rejoicing uh, and remembering Jesus in heaven on this memorial weekend. But, um, <clears throat> you know, getting back to the international scene, it kind of feels like we're, we're facing some of the most uncertain and unsettling times that uh, I can ever remember in my life. Um, and, and keeping in mind that I grew up during the Cold War, and I remember the tension with the, the previous Soviet Union, which seems to kind of be reemerging again with Russia. But uh, we, we just live in a very edgy time. Seems like people are very edgy. And I don't just mean internationally. Uh, it seems like people are that way. You know, even our neighbors are that way. Even, even people on the streets are that way. Every, everybody seems to be a, a, bit, a bit edgy right now. Um, internationally, locally. These are very uncertain times. The Apostle Paul warned that uh, it would be like this. To Timothy, who was the pastor of the church in Ephesus, he wrote 2 Timothy 3.1, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. The word perilous intrigued me, and what it means is difficult dangerous and fierce times. It implies an emotion that almost causes a lack of strength. Have you ever had something like that happen in your life where you were, uh, you were so afraid of what might take place or what could have happened, you know, that it, it almost sapped the physical strength right out of you? I certainly have experienced several of those times in my life. Like when you almost have what would have been probably a, a, a very severe accident, but somehow the cars narrowly miss each other. Now, Big Jim over here had that 
very accident yesterday and totaled out his car. Some of us have greater faith in our car's miss, and then some of us uh, end up in the accident itself. Now, I probably shouldn't say it that way because actually I may have that same problem on the way. You never know. No, it wasn't a lack of faith on his part. Somebody pulled right out in front of him, and he T-boned and the airbag deployed and his hand went through the windshield even though he had the seatbelt on and, and everything. We're just thanking God that my brother is sitting down over here with us. And, and I mean, yesterday total out your car, today to be in church. Wow, that, that's a kind of commitment I love right there. The rest of you could learn a lesson. Yeah, that, that's commitment. Next time you get a sniffle, say, I'm going to go to church anyway. Well, I, I, I digress. But you know, we've all had those situations in our lives where We've had near-miss kind of situations, whether it's a car or, or a physical deal or, or whatever that comes your way, and it almost like saps the, the strength right out of you when you realize what could have happened, what almost happened. On, on the backside of it, you look at it, you say, oh my word, and it just, it just kind of saps the, the strength right out of, you, out of it, out of us. Um, and Jesus said uh, that that in the last days, people's hearts would fail them. And so you have this idea from Paul, you have it from Jesus, that there, there's such perilous activity happening in the world that it causes you to lose a sense of strength. And, and so God is saying here that because evil people are making such a mess out of the world, it is going to cause some very difficult and tragic days to emerge. Days that sap people's strength. Now, I'm not preaching about this this morning, but just as an aside, Jesus said that one of the signs of his soon return would be this very thing. Going back to 2 Timothy 3 again, when did Paul say that all of this would happen? in the last days. This is when this is gonna start taking place. Biblically, that right there is code for the time just before the return of Jesus Christ to rapture his church. I think that that time is getting very close, brothers and sisters. So with things happening as they are, things happening that seem to have no resolution or answer. What do we do? Well, that's the same question that King David asked thousands of years ago. Actually, he asked the question before he was king of Israel. Before he was king of Israel, as a young adult man, he was running from a terrorist. And that terrorist had a name. His name was Saul. He was the king of Israel at that particular time. And he was after David because Saul knew that David was the heir apparent to the throne. That God had lifted his hand of blessing off of Saul's life because of his wanton rebellion against God. And that he had chosen a man whose heart would be after him. And so Saul was out to kill David. So he was tracking him down. David was like a fugitive. If you know the story, I won't get into all of it, but he was running from cave to cave, narrowly missing being caught from the armies of Saul. You add to that the fact that Israel at this particular time was under an attack from the Philistine army, 
And David asks a very important question found in Psalm 11.3. He says, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? That, that, that's a very similar question to the questions that we have. What do we do when we face times where it seems like everything foundational under us is crumbling? Another translation puts it this way. When the foundations of life are undermined, what can a righteous person do? In other words, when everything on earth that you thought you could count on seems to be falling apart, what should we do? Now, that's a, fa that's a question that we're faced with today. When the foundations are being destroyed, when everything is up in the air, when it seems like it's all crisis and chaos, what do we as God's people do? When your heart is breaking for whatever reason, when you've experienced an unexpected loss in your family, what do you do? When your finances seem to have no remedy, when the hour is very dark and you feel out of control, when you get the very negative report from the doctor, what do you do then? To answer the question, we're going to go to the book of Proverbs, written by the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, who was David's son. And in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, he gives us the answer. He says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your pathway straight. So Solomon in these, in these two verses gives us very concrete answers as to how we are to live with confidence in the very uncertain time that we live in today. The first thing he tells us to do is what? Is trust. But it's care, you gotta be careful where your trust goes, what it's directed towards. He doesn't say trust in the government. He doesn't say trust in your checkbook. He says trust in the Lord. I thank God for government. Government does a lot of good. I thank God for doctors. They do a lot of good. But ultimately, my faith and my trust, your faith and trust must be in the Lord. So we have all of this conflict in our world right now. And it seems to be getting worse, at least that's my assessment. And frankly, I don't think either Mr. Trump or Mrs. Clinton have the answers. We need God's help. You know, Solomon was called the wisest man who ever lived. And this is what he said was the wisest thing you can do when you confront a very uncertain situation in your life. You trust in the Lord. You put your trust in him. I was thinking about a story that's given in Matthew chapter 8, a time when Jesus told his disciples to uh, cross the lake. And it, was a, it turned out to be a time where they faced great crisis. Listen to these verses, verses 23 through 27. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. And the disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? 
you have so little faith. And then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly all was calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the winds and the waves obey him. Now, you might find it hard to believe that Jesus would confront them about their lack of faith, given the fact that they're in a small boat, and, you know, it wasn't like a big ship. It's a small boat, and the waves are breaking over the side, and who wouldn't be afraid in a situation like that? I heard one pastor say one time, the reason they should have had faith is because when Jesus said, get in the boat, he said, go across the lake to the other side. We're going across to the other side. In other words, God is saying, I've got a destination for your life. Don't be afraid of what tries to oppose you between here and there. I'm going to get you through it. I'm going to take you through it. So that should give us faith and confidence. But let, let's be Let's be honest about the emotions that we face. Verse number 24, it's interesting to me that the Greek word for the word storm here is the word we get the English word seismograph from. Now, you know what a seismograph does. It measures earthquakes. Does that give you any kind of insight into how severe this storm was? We're not talking about a little wind and a little, uh, and, and a little rain here. We are talking about a seismographic kind of an incident where this boat is being shook and, and challenged and, and jumped all over the place. So they were going through a violent shaking. Literally, they were going through a violent shaking. But what that produced was spiritually, they were going through a violent shaking as well, a, a questioning in their faith. It, are we going to make it to the other side? Does God care? Does Jesus care? What I, does Jesus know what I'm even going through? But what is Jesus doing? He's asleep. God's asleep. He's at peace. In that boat, you talk about a heavy sleeper. One lady in our congregation who was going through a very particular, particularly difficult time in her life, very serious time, came to, to see me and she asked me this question. She said, Pastor Jim, is it all right that I have so much peace in the midst of all of this? I said, yeah, it's all right that you're at peace. She, in other words, she felt like, well, maybe I don't grasp the severity of what I'm going to. Maybe there's something wrong with me that I'm at peace, but not at all. No, it's, it's God's gift to you that you have peace in the midst of this, that you have grace covering you in the midst of this. It's when you, you, you need it the most, the grace of God is available to you. And that's exactly what she was experiencing. So Jesus is sound asleep in this terrible situation, wrapped in the arms of God's peace. He's not worried. He's not terrorized. He knows his father will take care of him. And so he's at rest. He slept soundly. And through this, I think he is trying to talk to us about how we are to handle crises that we face in life. Do you know that sleeping can sometimes be a statement of faith? I'm not going to worry about it. I can't do anything about it anyway. So I'm going to go to bed. The psalmist says, God neither sleeps nor does he slumber. I might as well go to bed. God's up anyway. He'll take care of it. 
Sleep says, I trust God. But that's not how many of us respond. When a crisis hits, we tend to lose sleep over it. Our minds go into overdrive. We, we buy those sound machines, you know, that, that make that sound of, of uh, they kind of imitate waves to help us to go to sleep. Jesus didn't need the machine. He had the real thing going on. Do you know that Americans now spend over half a billion dollars a year on sleep aids? Why? Well, there's a variety of reasons, but for many of them, it's because of fear. It's because of the crisis around them. It's the perilous time they're living in. They're, they're afraid of what might happen. Well, if you're living in fear today, I want to give you a suggestion, maybe what I would call some safety tips on if, if fear is overwhelming you about what might happen. Number one, do not ride in a car because 20% of all fatal accidents happen in cars. So if you came here on a car, in a car, I would suggest you walk home. Leave the title with us and we'll sell it. We'll use it for missions, all right? Number two, but when you get home, don't stay there because... Uh, 17% of all fatal accidents happen in, at, at your home, you know, so you got to get out of the house. Thirdly, though, when you get out of the house, don't walk on the street because 15% of all fatal, fatal accidents happen to pedestrians, you know. So what are you saying, Pastor? Well, the best tip I can give you is go to church. Only one one thousandth of a percent of all fatal accidents happen in churches. <laughs> I'll bet you never felt so safe in all of your life, you know. Uh, you might want to bring your tent with, a, with you next Sunday and just stay here, you know, because this is a safe place to be. So Solomon says, trust in the Lord. King David, he kind of put it this way later on in his life, Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Now, secondly, he, uh, Solomon says we are to lean. Oh, and you got to be careful what you lean on. You don't want to lean on your own understanding. You've got to know which direction to lean. And this really messes a lot of people up because they're, they're leaning on the wrong things and it's not working. To lean here means to get your strength from God's promises. That's what Solomon is saying here. Lean on God's promises. So let me give you three suggestions here. First of all, refocus on God's closeness. When God seems the furthest away, in reality, he is the closest to you. Now notice that Jesus was in the boat with the disciples. He's not on shore saying, come on, guys, you can make it row harder. He's actually in the boat with the disciples. You know, that reminded me of what the angel said to Mary when he announced to her, you're going to be the mother of the Messiah. He says, you're to give him this name, which the prophet had said, Isaiah said, would be his name. And that name is what? Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Not distant, not far away, not uncaring, not not way out there somewhere. He is God with us, involved, available. 
just as close as the mention of his name. Jesus said in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave thee, nor will I ever forsake thee. Hallelujah. So it doesn't matter how you feel. The truth is, faith says that Hebrews 13, 5 says God is with us. So refocus on God's closeness. Number two, rest in God's care. Psalm 112 verses 6 and 8 says that the believer will not be overthrown by evil circumstances. God's constant care of him will make a deep impression on all who see it. He does not fear bad news nor live in dread of what may happen, for he is settled in his mind that Jehovah will take care of him. That is why he is not afraid but can calmly face his foes, any situation. Your foe may be cancer. Your foe may be uh, unemployment. Your foe may be bills. You run out of month before you run out of bills, you know, however it goes, you know. Whatever your foe may be, it's, it taunts you. It dares you to trust God. Listen, you speak the word of God back at your foe, amen? That's your declaration of faith, that you're believing God. And then number three, rely on God's control. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 26, Jesus rebuked the winds and the waves, and, and it was completely calm. Again, going back to the original Greek language here, the, the, the imagery it gives us is so beautiful. Really what that's saying is that Jesus kind of stood up in the boat, and he told the wind and the waves to sit down and shut up. <laughs> kind of funny. He rebuked it. Sit down and shut up, like what you've said to your kids that it shows you the control of God over his creation. And the interesting thing too, just as an aside on this particular story is that the sea immediately went calm. You know, when the wind quits blowing, it takes a while for the sea to quit, to quit splashing around. It doesn't immediately stop. But in this case, whoop, like glass. Do you think that Jesus knew what you and I would face in our lives? Do you think he knows about the business failure? Do you think he knows about the rebellious child, the abuse, the divorce, the physical challenge? Yes, he does know. Yes, he did know. And, and crises are no surprise to him. Just like he knew that the disciples would face a storm when they got into the boat, he knew it. He knew it was coming. But he had them get in the boat anyway. Do you get that? He knew it was coming, but he says, I want you to do this anyway. Why would God want anybody to go through a crisis like that? Because we learn something from it that we learn in no other way. Your storms and crises are no surprise to God. He's not responsible for them. He didn't cause the hurricane. He, he doesn't cause the earthquake, whether you're three floors up or 10 floors underground. He doesn't cause it. He doesn't send the disease, but they're no surprise to him. And he knows what's out ahead of us. But he also wants us to learn something from the experience, to learn that you can trust God in a crisis and you can trust him with your crisis. 
Which brings me to Solomon's third key to living confident in uncertain times. Submit to him, to Christ. That means putting Jesus first. So before you make any critical decisions with your life, you ask God first. Before you decide which direction to go, you ask God about it first. You get the counsel of godly people, but you also ask God, what, what is it, Lord, because I want to submit to you. I want to submit to your will. Now, I don't say that in a goofy sense that you have to ask him which color socks to wear. He gave most of us a mind to kind of figure that one out. Someone said when God is silent, he is often saying, use your brain. I think that's probably pretty good. But when you submit yourself to Jesus, you are making him the Lord of your life. He's, he, he's the boss. He's calling the shots now of your life. He guides you. And you're also giving him permission to speak to your life, to not only guide you, but to rebuke you. We don't like that. We think everything in our relationship with God is always just him affirming us and blessing us and Favor means everything is zippity doo da, zippity a. Oh my, oh my, God's wonderful in what He's doing in my life, you know. But that's not all that He does. He He rebukes us sometimes, and we give Him permission to do that. But when you allow Him to do that, a wonderful blessing comes your way. Solomon tells us about it in verse six. He says, "He will make your path straight." In other words, it will become clear. He, he's in control of the outcome. He takes the broken pieces and makes something beautiful out of them. Here again, I'm going to t give you a little word study. The word straight here in verse 6 means right, pleasant, and prosperous. He will make your path right. He puts you on the right path. He will make your path pleasant, fulfilling, and effective. That doesn't mean you get to do everything you want to do. It means when you follow his will, you'll say, man, am I glad I did what God wanted, not what I wanted. He will make your path prosperous. You'll be living with the favor and approval of God upon your life. And so I just want to be clear, that doesn't mean that nothing unpleasant ever comes your way. It's talking here about the final outcome. I may go through tragedy, I may go through crisis, but in the end... God will bring blessing out of it. Even if I can't see that now, I will see it. So how do I, how do you remain confident in uncertain times? You trust the Lord with all of your heart. You lean not on your own understanding and your own mind and figuring it all out. You submit to his ways in everything. In other words, you get Jesus into your boat. Bring, invite Jesus into the boat of your life. So let me just ask you as we conclude today, what's in your boat? Or what are you trying to get into your boat, thinking that if you get that, it'll be the answer that takes care of everything? Money? That's not enough security no matter how much you have. Friends, dreams, ambitions, having fun, those things can be fine, but 
When the crisis hits, you need more than what money can buy or what dreams will produce. Unless you have Jesus Christ in your boat, you're going to go down. But with him, he'll speak to those waves, he'll speak to that wind, and he'll sit them down and he'll shut them up. They may not pay attention to you, but they will pay attention to the voice of God, their creator. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.